My bracket is absolutely shot. I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, I love March Madness. Last week I was talking how I filled out my bracket and I'm all excited. My team is in it. You know, after the first round, uh, my team was still in it, but my bracket was uh, in shambles like a lot of people. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's March Madness, college basketball, one of my favorite times of year. And uh, it's very similar to investing. Now, I have a, a favorite team, the Kansas Jayhawks, that seem to do pretty well come madness, uh, come March. But, you know, if you just pick them to win it every year, you're going to be disappointed most of the time. And it's kind of like picking a stock. If you think you're going to pick the right stock and it's going to work, you're probably going to be disappointed most of the time. So March Madness, the reason it has so much excitement around it is you get to fill out a bracket and pick all kinds of winners and you just kind of each round see how you do. Similar with, you know, using a mutual fund or ETF and uh, you have a whole bunch of possibilities for winners. And if you have a loser in there, it's not going to drag down your whole portfolio uh, or certainly the whole ETF necessarily. All right. For those of you who don't know who I am or what I'm talking about, my name is Johnny Bowen and you have stumbled upon FinBits. And my goal with the podcast is to give you some information, some financial information, hopefully in a somewhat entertaining way. You'll learn that I'm kind of a smart aleck, but uh, I, my goal is to give you a little bit of education each week about the markets, about some other financial topic that comes up quite a bit. And I just want to make sure that that hopefully each week you're, you're kept up to date and you're learning some things. Now, wh why should you listen to me? Well, I'm a certified financial planner. I've been a financial advisor for 15 years. Probably most importantly, I'm a, I'm a dad of three 20-year-olds, three 20-somethings, mid-20s. You know, so in that millennial Gen Z range. And uh, so dealing with a lot of the same financial topics that you might be stumbling upon. Investing, IRAs, school loans, your benefits, all different kinds of stuff. So we'll try and attack those things each week. Spend about 20 minutes with me and hopefully I'll enlighten you and, and maybe add a little bit of humor along the way. All right. So first of all, like I said, my, my bracket was shot after the first day last week. And uh, it's a lot like investing in the market. She doesn't know what's going to happen day to day. But, uh, you know, now it's the second weekend of the March Madness. And so things are starting to happen. So what has happened over the last couple of weeks? So two weeks ago, the Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and sent a shockwave through the banking systems, which banking financial system, which really kind of makes a lot of folks nervous. It's like my money safe at the bank? Is my bank safe? Is the banking system safe? Is the US safe? Now a couple of other banks around the world have had some issues. And let me just tell you first, the banking system is highly regulated. They are watched all the time and they have to go through a lot of things uh, each year uh, to prove that they are still financially worthy, but doesn't mean that things don't slip through the cracks every once in a while. So it does make people nervous, but in general, you've heard Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, you've heard uh, Jay Powell, you've heard the White House, you've heard other uh, government entities that everything, all is fine. So I'm not concerned about it. I think everything, uh, you know, is okay, but certainly you want to check 
where your money is. And I titled this particular podcast, it's, it's time to shop around. You better shop around. And here's what I mean. Now I'm going to go on a little bit of a dad rant here. I don't really want to call it a dad rant, but I don't have a better name for it yet. So if you got one, just let me know. The banking system, the banks over the last three, four years, when COVID started, interest rates plummeted all the way down to about zero. And what that means is if you are a depositor, you have money in a bank, well, now your interest rates that you're earning on your money is essentially zero. You're not making anything. In fact, fun fact, in Germany and Japan at the height of COVID three years ago, uh, they actually had negative interest rates. Figure that out. So instead of making 0.001 interest on your savings account at the bank, they were paying the bank to hold on to their money. That's how nervous they were. Now, I guess you can't bury a whole bunch of money in your backyard, but I think I would have found something else to do. Those rates have now come above zero in Germany and Japan and some other countries, but still it's kind of wild to think that they had negative interest rates. All right, so back to what I was talking about. Interest rates have been creeping up over the last 12 months, and here's why. The Fed, Jay Powell and his group, they have uh, some say in what happens to short-term interest rates. And banks are very slow to raise their deposit rates. So for example, on Wednesday, the Fed, Federal Reserve, raised short-term interest rates another 25 basis points or a quarter of a point. Now, before you fall asleep or fall off your treadmill or drive over into the guardrail because I'm boring you to death, here's why this is important to you. So you're, if you have some savings at the bank, in years past, they were earning nothing. They were literally just earning zero. Well, now interest rates have, you can go to some banks or some money market funds at large custodians like a Schwab or Fidelity or whomever, and some of those are paying over 3%. So 3% is a lot better than zero. So it, it pays to shop around. So if you haven't looked at your bank and you have some savings that you want to earn a little bit of interest in, well, maybe you might want to shop around to a different bank or to a money market fund and see if those are appropriate places to, to park your money. Now, the one thing about having it in a bank is it is FDIC insured. So that means that if something were to happen to the bank, it is insured up to $250,000 per account holder. If you put it into a money market fund, those are not FDIC insured. However, they also are very liquid, meaning you can get your money out and they're very well diversified. So I, I'm not overly worried about high quality money market funds, but certainly it does pay to do your research. So here's, here's part of my rant is the banks now have been increasing uh, the short-term rates or interest rates that they lend money on. So, you know, if you were to go get a loan for a mortgage, well, that's gone from two and a half, three percent to now close to 7%. If you wanted to get a car loan, that's also gone from three, 4%, probably close to 10 or 12%. In credit card rates, if you are not paying off every month, which you should be, but if your your credit card rates, if you had a, had a, you know, monthly balance spill over from month to month, that has also gone up. So, so banks are 
slow to pay you higher in your deposits, but if you're borrowing money, those rates go up pretty quickly. So that's why I always say shop around. But one of the other things that I'll talk about in a little bit here is, and this has nothing to do with interest rates, but well, maybe it does a little bit. I don't know. Car insurance, um, nothing to do with investing or so forth, but I have multiple cars because I have multiple kids and multiple family members. I don't personally have multiple cars, but our family does. And none of them are great cars. They're all functional. And uh, our car insurance went up a thousand bucks a year. Um, and it really, really kind of peed me off. And so I'm like, what the heck? So I got some ideas how you can lower your car insurance because that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm shopping it. But let's uh, let's go back in to take a look at what some of the indexes are doing. So each week I try and give you an idea of what markets are doing. So I'll start again with the S&P 500. Now, again, these are the 500 largest companies in the U.S. It's pretty good representation of what's going on in the U.S. markets. Over the last week, the S&P is up about a point and a half. Year to date, it's positive. It's up about two and a third. And over the last 12 months, it's still down about 10%, a little over 10%. But it's been eking its way back, uh, which is good. Another market I like to keep an eye on, the MSCI EAFE, EFI, which is a good representation of developed markets outside the U.S. So kind of think Europe, Australia, Japan. Uh, over the last week, it's down a little over 3%. Year to date, kind of like the U.S., it's about two, up about 2.5%. Excuse me, then the last 12 months is down about 5%. So it's just kind of bumping along, nothing too exciting. And then finally on the stock side, NASDAQ, which is uh, usually higher tech companies. Uh, that is over the last week, it's up almost 4.5%. Year to date, it's really been rocketing. It's up 11, a little over 11 and a third percent. And over the last 12 months, it's down 14%. So it's been coming back because last year it had a really uh, crappy year to say the least. But uh, tech companies have been making uh, a little bit of a surge, certainly start out the year. And then on the bond side, just looking at one index, which is called the U.S. aggregate, which is a decent representation of the fixed income market or you know some of the safer bets out there. Over the last week, um, it's up about a point and a half. Year to date, it's up about 3%. And over the last 12 months, it's down about a five and a third percent. So again, that has been just kind of bumping along, nothing too exciting. And then two other things I'd like to look at is uh, the 10-year treasury. And the reason I like to look at the 10-year treasury, because that is what people would call, you know, your, uh, your safe money. Treasury is backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. And... If you chose to buy a 10-year treasury, I'm not recommending you buy any of these things, but if you chose to buy it, uh, the 10-year treasury um, right now is yielding about 3.39%. And if you think about three years ago, it was yielding about 1%. So it's quite a bit higher than it was three years ago. And that's just because we have been raising those interest rates. The Fed has been raising the interest rates. And then one other really kind of fact to look at is Bitcoin. And and again, not recommending that you buy any of these things. Bitcoin is really just more interesting because uh, it's a certain part of the market that people like to see. Bitcoin is 
just hovering around $28,000 uh, since last week. It's up about 10%. Year to date, it's up 64%, which is crazy. But over the last 12 months, it's down 38%. So those numbers should tell you Bitcoin is a roller coaster. It's a wild ride. And if you don't have the stomach for it, then don't get on that roller coaster. That's all I can say about that. All right. So wanted to talk a little bit about car insurance and the reason I I was going to talk about streaming services and paying for those and unhitching cable, but uh, that just drives me nuts. So I don't even know how much I pay for everything now on streaming services, but that'll be a whole nother episode series probably. But let's talk about car insurance. Now, for those of you that are now in your 20s and 30s, you've been kicked off your parents' car insurance. So now you got to get your own if you have a car, right? So let's assume you do. The one thing with car insurance, much like shopping around for a bank, you need to shop around probably every three years at least. Now we all see thousands of commercials out there for uh, the big ones, Progressive, Allstate, State Farm. If you're watching any sports activity, you see State Farm out there. Liberty Mutual. I mean, we all know the jingles. We probably hear them in our sleep. But you probably want to check every three years. And I can tell you, it's not that much fun. But about the time it takes you to pour a hazy IPA or a glass of Chardonnay, you can probably save some money. Specifically on car insurance, you know, if you haven't, if you had a ticket and it rolled off, if you bought a new car, you want to look around. If you had an accident and it kind of rolled off your insurance, you definitely want to shop around. Because there's some things that I've learned over my uh, handful of decades of buying car insurance. Just because you're with one company for a long time and you think there's a loyalty factor and you're getting the best price, you're not. They know that you're probably not going to shop it around and move it. So they don't always give the best prices to the loyalist clients, which is crazy to me, but they don't. So how do you go about doing it? Well, certainly the good thing is you can do a lot of it online now. And if you only have one car, it's not very difficult. You know, you have to pull up what your policy says, what type of coverage do you have, and then compare apples to apples. That's probably the hardest thing. You want to make sure you compare apples to apples. If you don't want to do it online, it's just not that fun. You know, maybe you've got a dad or a mom or an aunt or somebody who likes to do that spreadsheet stuff, get them involved. They would love to do that. But if that's not an option either, you can always go to a specific company. And there's really a couple different kinds of insurance agents. You have two things. One is called a captive agent. And they are someone who works specifically for one company. So they just work for Geico. They just work for State Farm. They only work for Liberty Mutual. So whatever rates you get back, it's just going to be with one company. So that may or may not be a good way to go, but that could be all right, especially if you have a home, a car, a tractor, whatever else. You got multiple things. <clears throat> then having going to a captive agent can help you kind of get a good bundled price that you always hear about. The other option is to find an independent agent. And this is a person, as you would imagine, they are not affiliated directly with one company, but they can shop around to a dozen companies. They can find you the best rate, the best coverage, 
and therefore, you know, you really get an idea of what you should be paying. And especially in either way, you're not going to save money necessarily if you shop online by yourself versus using an independent agent. Um, I use an independent agent and it makes it simpler because they can go out and shop for me. Yeah, they're going to make a little commission on it, but I'm going to be paying the same price whether I found it online myself. So let them do the work and find me the best deal. Now, where do you start to shop? Now, certainly you can go back to your, to your folks insurance, go back to your dad's insurance company and find out he, who he uses, you know, and he's going to tell you all the things insurance has paid for over the years and all the reasons why he hates his insurance company. You'll get a good story out of it. But I promise you, you'll probably learn something. One of two things, either your dad shops around every couple of years, or he's had the same coverage for 30 years because it's a guy or gal, you know, that they knew in college or whatever. So you can probably help your dad and, uh, and shop around and find a better deal. You can certainly go the independent route, find someone online, or if you have a membership with AAA or Sam's Club or Costco, um, those can act as good agents or independents to help you shop around. I just learned that. I didn't even know Costco had those capabilities. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. But if you have AAA or Sam's Club, you know, give that a go too. So what do you do when you start to ask those questions? You know, you find someone or you're online. Well, then you want to find out all the discounts you can get. You're a good student. You used to be a good student. Maybe that doesn't apply anymore. I don't know. Um, you haven't had any accidents ever or certainly for a long time. Your credit score. If you have good credit, that will help your car insurance. And you're going, what are you talking about? It's true. A good credit score is so impactful on many things in your financial life, including your car insurance, because they figure, all right, well, uh, if this young lady has a good credit score, well, then she must take care of her bills and therefore she's probably pretty responsible and therefore she's probably not going to drive 110 miles an hour on the highway. Call me crazy, but that's kind of how the insurance companies think. So another good reason to always maintain a good credit score if you can. So ask for any and all discounts that you can get. The second way to save money on your car insurance is increase your deductible. So, and what, what exactly is a deductible? Which I know is, is probably pretty confusing. A deductible is uh, the amount of money you have to pay if you were to have an accident. So let's say, for example, uh, you hit somebody and you, your deductible is $500, but the cost of the repair for the car is $5,000. Well, you only pay the first $500 and the insurance company pays the other $4,500. You pay the deductible. If your deductible is $1,000, then you pay the $1,000 and then the insurance pays $4,000. So if you think about it, the higher your deductible, the lower your insurance is because the insurance company doesn't have to pay as much for their portion if something happens or an accident happens. So you could increase your deductible. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, personally, like us, we have a couple of older cars and I don't need $500 deductible on a car that is 15 years old with 160,000 miles. And I got two of those. So those both have higher deductibles. The other thing you can do to decrease your premium 
is just have collision insurance. And if you have a newer car, you know, one that is three, five years old or less, you probably want to have full coverage because if you get in a wreck, you want to get it fixed. But again, for me, a couple of our cars are over 12 years old. So if you just have collision insurance, that means if you get into an accident, then the insurance company will pay to have the other car fixed, but they're not going to pay to have your car fixed. Well, why did you do that? Well, if you have a car that's worth less than, I don't know, if it's got 150,000 miles on it, it's worth five grand. You probably don't need real high coverage on it because you're probably not going to get it fixed is the theory. So you can certainly, you can ask about discounts, you can increase your deductible. And if you have kind of an old junky car, then just have collision insurance. That way, at least you're covered if you hit something, but you're not paying a lot more for insurance because your car is so old. So those are some ways to, to save money on car insurance. But certainly the biggest thing is shopping it around every couple of years, every two to three years, or if you have a major life event, um, if you certainly have your first car or if an, again, an accident or ticket rolls off, whatever it is. So it's just a little few fin bits about car insurance. You never knew it'd be that exciting, did you? But, uh, those are some things that I've learned over the years. And there's a lot of ways to save money, certainly with, uh, with a good old internet to, to shop things around. All right. Well, that's about all I had for today. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention, if you have not filed your taxes yet, you can still add money possibly to your individual retirement account. You just have to add it before you file. Now there's a lot of rules based on, do you have your own company plan or do you have uh, what your salary is or your spouse's or your partner's, whatever it might be, but you, you can always add money to your IRA before you file. And that's advantageous because if it's a regular IRA, that'll help decrease your taxable income that you have to pay taxes on. All right, that's enough stuff. I don't want to bore you to death, but, uh, but thanks for listening. Next week, uh, I've had a lot of questions about, you know, benefits at work. You know, what should you sign up for? What should you not sign up for? So tune in next week and we'll tackle those fun things. All right, have a great week.